We are the MarketScale creator community, and these are our stories. Join us as we tell the stories of the bold creators that are challenging the status quo in the world of business media. This is the Creator's Manifesto, the podcast of the MarketScale creator community. Hello and welcome to the Creator's Manifesto, the official podcast of the MarketScale creator community. On this show, we highlight the men and women who are pushing the boundaries of business media. I'm your host, John Potts. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Dallin Need. Dallin's actually the first guest we've had on this show who's been more on the strategy side of business media. So I'm looking forward to hearing more from him, uh, but I'll let him speak for, for himself. Dallin, welcome to the show. John, it's good to be on. Thanks. Yeah, of course. So you know, before we get into you know what you're doing now, I want to hear a, little, hear a little bit more about how you got into the media world, how you got into the the content side of things. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your background. Yeah, of course. I love this question. So I would say it started when I was six, um, and I won't focus on that part of my life because the strategy lacked at that point. But it's really when I first picked up a camera. Uh, it was a Hi8 camera, tape based, uh, pre digital world back in the 90s. And I just started making media with my friends and kind of getting my fill for the power of, of story. And just the fun it is to use it to connect with people, whether it's one person or many people. And so I, I took that, that interest and that passion and it led me to um, my studies, but of course, definitely the career path um, that I found myself in. And I, uh, I worked a lot in in broadcast where I, I've been behind large broadcast productions, international broadcasts um, around music events to um, like TED Talk style keynotes. The list goes on. Live experiences, pre-recorded experiences to then corporate production, media production. And then I got into travel and hospitality with um, global companies that uh, I worked with uh, on their media side. And behind the scenes, I was able to work very closely with a lot of people uh, across departments, across nationalities and backgrounds. Um, with this being a global company, travel company, uh, we touched many different offices uh, from their headquarters, but we got to interact with with people from all walks of life. And it gave me this perspective on not everyone is so ready to be on camera and to be involved with media, but everyone has a voice and a place to exist in uh, a media channel um, and to share their unique perspective because it's different for each individual or each company. Uh, and so I really loved my time there. And then I took it to serving other different types of industries and, and businesses. So uh, that's what really led me to where we are today. I got to ask, what kind of things did you make when you were a kid? <laughs> Um, you know, if you imagine ever watching documentaries behind like Steven Spielberg or JJ Abrams, they were super eight old field cameras. Uh, you know, mine was a decade or, or like two decades plus later, but it was just those ridiculous films where you're, they're either very action based and you think you're the best stunt performer in the world. Um, or you're delivering the most dramatic dialogue and then you're, you're using, every single piece of copyrighted material under the sun thinking that you have permission to use it because it exists. <laughs> uh, and so you can go back and probably watch like, we got like the Star Wars theme showing up, um, the music theme that is uh, showing up in videos. You got like, 
uh, just Indiana Jones, you know, um, and you're just recreating those scenes. So it was, you know, it was a fun way just to just kind of get out your, your creativity and, and spend the summer uh, with friends. You're, you're giving me flashbacks to when I was a kid because I had one of those, you know, cameras too. And I, I remember when I was young, I, I tried to, uh, I dabbled in like special effects and by special effects, yeah, that too. I just, yeah. Yeah. By special effects, all I did was I taped some strings to some toy cars and I pulled the string to make it look like they were driving, you know, like little things like that. But yeah, or you get in a stop motion. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. You try everything. Stop yeah. motion. They absolutely. That was one of the things that you got to try when you're a kid with a camera too. Um, but you said something earlier that I wanted to touch on because I really liked it. You know, the, the power of media to connect people and, you know, how everyone has a voice in media in some form or fashion, even if they don't really know it yet. Right. I think especially today, you know, media is so prevalent in everything that we do. There was certainly a time when folks participating in any form of media was for the few, right? It was for the broadcasters. It was for the actors. It was for, you know, professionals, I guess you could say. But media has really been democratized across the board. So how have you seen the, that, that trend um, in, in your life since you've kind of been in this all along? Oh, I love that question because I'm a huge tech and gear geek. And, you know, it's interesting. I feel like um, just tech in general and that evolution, I, I, I really grew up with the evolution of the Internet and that that there. I mean, I, I do remember the days of dial up. It's not like I'm I'm not young or I'm, I'm not that old, but uh, I do remember those days and remembering when Internet speed started to, to pick up and that, oh, I no longer have to use this tape based video camera, this consumer camera. You can go pick up like Best Buy or Radio Shack. <laughs> I, I think they're still around. Uh, it's it's like the uh, what is it? Uh, blockbuster video. That's what I feel like. Radio Shack is kind of like. Uh, and and you know, it, to me, I started to see see the major shift. Honestly, when Red uh, cinema cameras entered the game back in like 2008, that kind of time frame, I would say. Um, and we started to see the shift with just movies overall, but just the access to tools. Because also around the time that digital cinema started to kick in more in like the mid to late 2000s uh we also saw um like smartphones become available and like the first iphone come out and i remember it being so cool yet it's you know, we look back at it now what is this like 13 15 years later and it's it's slow we would never use that that first smartphone but it just shows how quickly we were evolving because that first smartphone was more of a prominent sign that the way that we produce and consume media is going to change forever. And I was just talking to my wife about this today, in fact, uh, because the ability to go and create videos and media is really democratizing what that looks like because of technology we have today. Like from our phone, we're able to film, edit, and publish videos and, and films, whether they're 15-second films or... 15 hour films, you know, and, uh, and it's really cool, but it just gives all the more reason with all this high demand and supply of media out there. How do you cut through the noise? How do you approach it with more intention and strategy? Uh, and, and that's really the name of the game nowadays. Now that we've gotten deep into this digital world where cameras exist, where digital media exists to consume on a daily basis, is is yeah how can we cut through noise yeah i mean there's there was a time when just being able to put something on film was a big deal i mean if you ever have you ever read the book rebel without a crew by robert yeah. rodriguez yeah. yeah it's great i mean 
that whole book is about how he was able to make a movie on a shoestring budget because he was really smart about how he used the film. And just because he was able to use film effectively, studios just flocked to him. But, you know, that wouldn't exist in today's day and age. You know, the five-year-old with an iPhone in their hand has the production quality of a studio in 2000, you know? So it's, yeah. so you're right. I mean, it's an interesting point. How do you cut through the noise and create some, something of substance um, in a world where, just having footage or having video isn't enough. Uh, that's an interesting point. So how, I mean, how do you see businesses effectively cutting through the noise or at least, you know, using media to, to cut through the noise? Yeah, that's a great question. To me, it is about building community, but it's not like you have to have every single piece of media go viral and that even gone are the days of the Super Bowl commercial effect. 10, 15 plus years ago, uh, the holy grail of commercials and advertising was getting a spot during the Super Bowl. Most expensive ads you'd, you'd go to create, but also you got the most eyeballs on it. But you find this a lot, especially with TV ads, um, where it's interactive advertising. People are not um, wanting to see those generic ads that are not relevant to them at all. And so that's where the power of, say, social media advertising comes into play, right? Where you can customize target audiences. And the same thing relates to, to companies out there is that, hey, you don't need to go and create the one-off Super Bowl commercial, but you need to create a show around your business. And that show looks like showing up consistently with media, whether that looks like video content, written content even, podcast content, whatever type of content your audience connects and resonates with the most, Video should be at the top of that list, though. Every audience in person really does connect with the human that you can see and experience behind video. But the more you lean into video um, at the forefront of your media, and then you make it a recurring thing and not a once a year, hey, I'm going to create um, our one company. We have a budget for this one video. We're going to spend $100,000 with this agency. We heard they're a really good agency and lean all on that one video. That's that's not the name of the game anymore. You need to be committing to showing up um, in that way. And so becoming a media company is what, uh, to me, is is a game changer and leaning into your niche um, target audience uh, of, of hundreds to thousands of people and not into the millions and billions of people thinking that they are your audience and customers. Uh, and so understanding the nuances of your audience and who you're speaking to will help your, your media make a lot more traction and bring you a lot more success. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is really a change in mindset. You know, the old school approach is reach and numbers, right? Like you said, with Super Bowl commercials, you know, how can we reach as many people as possible to get this across? But, you know, the shift, it's, you know, I think was what you're saying. And frankly, it's my opinion, too. The shift is less about reach and more about a genuine connection, and which is interesting, you know, because there's so much stuff out there. The things that really pop are the things that, you know, people feel a genuine connection to. It doesn't necessarily have to be millions of people, but if you think of successful brands or successful individuals, they're leveraging media to create a community, to create people who yeah. actually engage on a, on a regular basis, which I think is very interesting. That's, a, that's an interesting point. I mean, if you- Could, could actually, yeah. sorry, finish your thought, but no, I want no, to no, add go to ahead, it. Go ahead. You remind me, yeah. Well, you actually made, you know, the humanization of a brand is essential. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating. You think of YouTube, for example, the biggest video streaming platform, TikTok's there competing with them, of course, right now. 
But Mr. Beast is like one of the top, if not the top, he's got over now a hundred million subscribers on YouTube, which is insane to think like each one of those subscribers should be, if, if it's not a robot, should be connected to a real human being consuming his content. And he's generating hundreds of millions of views every month all the time. And it's insanity to that kind of reach somebody can have. Um, and what he's able to do is he puts a face and a lot of faces to his, his business and brand. And because he, in a very positive way, influencer, that term can have a negative connotation sometimes, but he's very much a thought leader in his own right, where if brands really want to have reach, they shouldn't go and produce, um, a massive commercial, they should double down on what humans are out there that are leveraging the audience that we want access to. And so let's go work with Mr. Beast or let's go work with this niche influencer or thought leader, this human that will help us get reached to the audience that we want to reach to. And so we've seen that evolution in the last 10 years just explode with, um, with companies who really want to do things right are connecting with other humans um, to really help them get their media out there. That's a great point because you're making me think of an example um, that just flows to the top of my mind. And it sticks in my head because it was an email that I got from American Airlines. It was American Airlines, and they sent a video of the CEO just standing there talking. Um, and, you know, it stuck out to me because, one, I'm seeing the CEO of American Airlines. He's talking more or less directly to me, the customer. And if it was just another American Airlines email, I, I would have just deleted it. But I clicked through and I saw the face of the CEO and it, you know, I wanted to click it. I wanted to hear it. You know, I think that there's something to be said about humanizing those companies and humanizing brands in that way. Yeah. You know, I'm curious what other uh, what examples might stick out to you? I mean, American Airlines is one to me. You know, Elon Musk is kind of kind of an easy one to throw out. I mean, he's, yeah. he's kind of the, the, the face of a ton of brands and companies. But I'm curious if there are any that stick out to you. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, on the flip side, first, you can we can think of plenty of brands that all they put out there are is the bare minimum amount of media or content usually written, and there's no identifiable face behind the business. Um, and you know, it, it's it's a, a logo. They may be having success behind the scenes, but if they put someone as a face to the company, a human's and even if you have to hire a thought leader internally or externally to represent your company, do it. You got to have someone to represent and it may not be your president. They may not even have the time, but, but I do, you know, you got to think of someone like um, Gary Vaynerchuk where um, he's got a very much a personal brand presence, of course, but he leverages that for his agency uh, and his multiple companies and that reach um, and uh, or the Tony Robbins of the world. Um, and you find a lot of them are, are personal brand driven because that's really what you got to do. You may be part of a larger company that may, may, may not be associated to your name at all. Like Gary and Tony both have companies that are directly related to their own name, their own personal name. But let's say you're part of Nike uh, and, and was it Bill Knight, right? Who started Nike. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that if, if you started think, Nike yeah. or is it not? Yeah, Knight. Like, I think it's Phil Knight, but... Oh, okay. I know someone's going to comment on this, but yeah, I think it's Phil they'll, they'll, they'll correct me. I, I think I'm pulling it from that Macmore song. Um, or like, what does he say? Anyways, but if you think of him, you know, if he started Nike today in this digital world, digital media, how easy it is to create media 
within a few moments, a few clicks, you know, a few quick moments, it would completely change the game, especially if he was willing to commit to be the face of, of Nike and represent, you know, to the point of, of American airlines. Right. Um, so it gives I mean, people someone to interact with. Yeah. I mean, I think that, and that, that's, that's nice. That's my follow-up question, which is, you know, what do you think? All right. So brands might put a face, uh, a, a brand might have a, 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 put a face to itself, right. Might have a person out there or people out there, but what is it about that? that's that's worthwhile or what you know what makes a successful person um uh a successful face of a brand is it you know i think we mentioned it i mean it might be community it's generating kind of this community aspect i mean but what is it about someone who tries to do this that makes it more of a success yeah that's a great question to me it harkens back to a timeless principle around messaging um messaging really started around the campfire pre-digital, pre-media, years ago, even with like cavemen or just the primitive people who existed, you know, around the world. And their form of language and communication happened around a campfire or cave drawings. And those principles of delivering a message existed in a small form, just one to a few. But now we have access to one to many uh, people. And so understanding the principles of messaging and the fact that people need that consistency. They need that sense of um, expectations that you're going to show up. I, I think there's a lot of power to you said around what Oprah Winfrey did. She opened up this room on her show when she hosted that, that main, you know, Oprah, Oprah show uh, where pe- people were able to join and uh, she gave them a safe space to exist, to share their stories and to learn things. And there's so much trust built in her because, yes, she shared her story, but she gave a platform for other people. And she put, she basically shined the spotlight on her audience. And companies can think the same way. Um, sure, you may have a host to a media show that you're doing, or um, sure, you may have a face to your brand. But the more that you can give people consistency and something to expect, true to your favorite TV show or, you know, that has a new episode coming out every single week. It's predictable. It's something that's safe and it's part of your routine. Then it gives that ability to have that constant fireside chat, um, have that constant conversation that, that doesn't stop. Um, and oftentimes it has in years past when companies just focused on again, that one piece of content, uh, hoping that would completely change their business forever. Uh, and it's no longer that way. And and to me, I'm a huge believer in if you're not doubling down on using media like video and podcasting in your business, you're risky. You're risking your business to not survive, not thrive, because that makes you invisible. If you're not visible with a thought leader or a face to your business and voices sharing your message and sharing the message of your customers then people are not going to know you exist and it's going to be a struggle again mm. for your company to su- survive. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to change topics a little bit. I mean, I, I, we can talk about this all day and, and we've done a pretty good job of it so far, but I, let's see, I want to highlight, uh, I want to, I want to ask you to think of um, maybe a project you work on that stands out. Any highlights that you want to share uh, from your, from your days as a creator? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I'll bring up this one. Um, I'm actually looking at it right now behind my camera up here. I have 
two movie posters. Um, I, as a student, I worked on them like coming up on 10 years basically ago. Um, it was early days of media creation for me. Uh, of course, I started when I was six, like I mentioned early on, but I didn't really commit to it fully until probably 12 or so years ago. Uh, but I, I went off and created a, a feature film movie. Uh, I didn't have any strong expectations around it apart from just giving myself an opportunity and an outlet to uh, tell a story that was interesting to me. So I wrote, I directed, I held, I wore a lot of hats, but yet in the process, I worked with uh, well over 30 people, both from cast and crew uh, to even getting to the point of distribution. We had a premiere uh, at multiple local theaters and we made money as, you know, as a starving college student, I made money on a piece of media. And that really sparked the fire underneath me to be like, wait a minute, people are willing to pay to watch this piece of media, whether it's entertainment related, education related. And so that really led me further on my path of a doubling down on media. And so since then, I've worked on a lot of other projects too that that have won awards and, and been recognized in that way. Um, and when you're able to make a piece of content and media that really resonates with someone uh, and involves just a very creative process where you can collaborate with other people, uh, to me, it really inspires um, your best work. And so it was really fun. Like one, one I think of was in collaboration with this uh, New York tech company. And we booked a bunch of interviews of thought leaders like Seth Godin um, and others where here you're able to interact with these people who who seem like, you know, like Seth Godin's a, he's a celebrity in the marketing world. Yet when you meet him, he's he's down to earth and just exactly as you experience him in say the videos he's in. And he's not trying to be someone he's not. And uh, and so media also, I think I'm kind of bringing this to another another light, but to me, media and the humanization of a business or a individual really sheds light on who someone is. And um, the more genuine you can be and the less acting that you do in your media, um, I think the more it will resonate in the long term. That's a good point. I think, yeah, to kind of circle back to what we were talking about before, what makes different kinds of media pop? I mean, I guess you could say one thing is authenticity. You know, I think people are drawn to seeing someone authentic and that's something that people might not feel from companies or brands is an authentic touch or an authentic voice telling them what's actually happening. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. I didn't know, but I, I, I'm pretty impressed that you, you were able to make money off a of student film. I used to work in film <laughs> sales. And I got to say, that's it's not easy to make money on a movie. That's a tough thing no. to do. Yeah, most filmmakers don't get into movie making early on, especially thinking they're going to make much money because everyone's trying to do it under the sun. You know, there's every film festival out there that you can imagine, and there's no promise of a return. And it was just one of those things like I, I worked with a producer friend who was also a student who handled all those things. And all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, this theater is willing to pay it. And they mm -hmm. want to know what, um, what like they, we got to negotiate basically the payout. They're like, oh, usually I don't remember honestly the payout rates, but it's like, you know, typical to what a lot of movie theaters do. They take their a distributor and they give a cut to the studio um, who's providing the movie. And so that's basically what reacted has was this unlicensed studio uh, and so they just gave us a check. Uh, and it was, it was kind of surreal too, as a student, cause you're there like busy doing, you know, you're focused on school, trying to have a social life. And then all of a sudden you're there surrounded by, honestly, it was hundreds of people that premiere night, they shut down other showings of movies at this theater 
to make room for the, just the demand that was built up. And I was like, oh, what? Like, what happened? I was literally, it was like a, the, the concept of the movie, it's called The Haunted Swing. You can find it online. Like, I look back now, I'm like, oh, I would do so much, so many things different, right? <laughs> but it's like, we got it out there. It was fun. Um, but it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, it was it was kind of surreal. And I, I still look back with with fond memories of uh, of that kind of being a catalyst for me on my media journey. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that. That's pretty neat. That's yeah. pretty neat. We kind of come full circle then. Kind of, we, you're, you're kind of your own Robert Rodriguez here making, making <laughs> movies on a shoestring. So we came full circle. I like it. Well, you know, that might be as good a place as any to end it. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, but now I want to thank uh, Dallin Need for joining me today. You've been listening to the Creators Manifesto, the official podcast of the Market Scale Creator Community. Be sure to subscribe to catch more episodes. And uh, yeah, Dallin, thank you again for joining. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Ron. All right, thanks. We'll talk to you all later. 